So uh, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you, Father, for um, your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Spirit, that you are welcome in this place. And Father, that you're going to lead us today by the hand of your Spirit. Lord, we, we love you and we pray that uh, all the days of our life will be led by you and you will ordain our steps in Jesus' name. Amen. Charles Spurgeon once said this about a church not walking in the Spirit. He said, a church in the land without the Spirit is rather a curse than a blessing. If you have not the Spirit of God, Christian worker, remember that you stand in somebody else's way. You are fruitless. You are a fruitless tree standing where a fruitful tree might grow. And so uh, Charles Spurgeon was a little bit stout, you know. Uh, uh, I love to read him. It's amazing some of the things that, that he puts out. But it's, he basically says the church without the Spirit is useless. And so uh, we've been talking about the spirit world is what I've titled this sermon series or this message series, The Spirit World. Today, uh, wait, don't go is the big idea. Um, I don't know if you've ever had to wait before you went somewhere, but I'm not real good at waiting. Matter of fact, waiting frustrates me. I like to go. I like to run. I like to get there. I like to get it done, and I like to move on. And uh, with the Holy Spirit, it's really not that way. The Holy Spirit, uh, we are told to wait in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, I've spoken on this scripture before and talked about those areas that Jesus is mentioning here. He's talking about Jerusalem, which is right where you are. He's talking about Judea, which is a little bit outer ring. And then he's talking about Samaria, which is, is way on out. All right, And the people would have understood that. So it starts first here with us and the Holy Spirit. From us, it moves to probably your spouse. And uh, if you're not married, it moves to those who are nearest to you, your sphere of influence, and then eventually your sphere of concern, and eventually to the world. And so that's how the Holy Spirit works. But in order for the Holy Spirit to work, the Scripture says that, that we are to wait upon it to be clothed with power on high, Luke 24, 49. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, I've, I've read Acts 1-8, and that's Luke 24, 49. As you continue to read there in Acts 1, you'll also see where Jesus tells them, but wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so as we wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon us, it, it means that there's, there's a time of patience that has to happen. And, and some of us want it now, some of us want it today, and we talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, Andy Stanley was asked one time, if, if he believed, if his church walked in the Holy Spirit. Now, Andy Stanley, if you don't know who he is, he has a fairly large church called North Point. And uh, uh, Andy Stanley said this. He said, that's a trap. He said, that very question's a trap. And he said, here's why it's a trap. Because if I say, yes, our church is spirit-filled, then you're going to say, well, it's fallen over into Pentecostalism, and it's, it's too much for me. If we say uh, our church does not have the Holy Spirit or we believe in a second Holy Spirit, then I'm set up and saying, then who are we empowered by, the devil? So it's kind of a no-win situation. Here's, here's the truth. The truth is, is that when we accept Jesus as our personal Savior, the Scripture says no one can say Jesus is Lord except by who? The Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit prompts us into that place. So when Jesus tells us to wait, what are we waiting on? We're waiting on his call, which is the highest calling in our life, to be exposed through the Spirit of God. Do you hear that? The highest calling in your life is to follow Christ. And, and that call is to be empowered 
and to be enlightened by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus speaks here. He, ent- he has entrusted his message to us. Have you ever thought of that? That the message of Christ is entrusted to us? That's a great responsibility. That's a huge responsibility. The message of Christ is entrusted to his disciples to carry it on throughout the world. And his desire is that we would take this good news to the whole world. In order to do that, he knew that we would need the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. And so it is clear from what Jesus has said that they were not supposed to go until the Holy Spirit had come upon them until they were empowered with the Spirit up on high. So honestly, that is what most of the Western church is struggling with today. Many have heard the command to go, but not the command to wait. To go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, when Jesus says those words, man, uh, it comes with a, a, a preface. Before you go, wait. And sometimes we don't wait on the Holy Spirit to empower us. Sometimes we just want to go. We just want to run. And what happens is we listen to our own counsel instead of the counsel of God. And I don't know if you're guilty of this or not, but... I've definitely listened to my own counsel over the counsel of God. And this is why we've got to wait. We've got to intentionally wait. We've got to intentionally listen. So we have a church full of well-intentioned people trying to do ministry without the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a recipe for disaster. It's discouragement and it's failure. So when we go out and we attempt on our own, through our own strength, outside of the Holy Spirit, we're actually attempting outside of God. Because God has left us with what? His spirit. He said, it's to your advantage that I do what? That I go, because if I go, a helper will come, and and this helper comes to us, and as we wait, this is what happens. He gives us zeal for him, but zeal without power is sometimes useless and reckless. Do you know anybody in Scripture that had zeal uh, without power a time or two? There's several of them. You remember when Peter jumped up? The scripture said he was full of what? He was full of zeal, right? And there was another time when Peter uh, said, you know, Jesus, I don't really like the way you're talking. Um, so we're not going to go about the crucifixion. We're not going to go about your death in the way that you're saying. As a matter of fact, I don't really want that to happen the way you're saying. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, what? Satan. Satan. All right. And so he's saying, look, <laughs> you've got to, to hear me. And as you hear me, I will empower you to do great things in this world. But it's difficult to wait. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm an impatient guy. Uh, now, my son would probably disagree with that statement. He would see me as being very patient. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's here this morning. But, but I'm somewhat impatient. I, I do like to move. I like everybody to move around me. Uh, it's just kind of how I'm geared. I don't, I, don't, I don't mean to be that way. It's just kind of how I'm geared, right? And so what happens is sometimes I can jump out there and, and not, not wait until I know clearly, I think I know clearly, but not wait until God shows me clearly the next steps. See, we've been given the power to change the world. And Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do. So here's the thing. I didn't get into this to do religious activity. I got into this to partner with God to release his power, his love, his mercy, and his forgiveness into people's lives. I got into this to know God and to make him known. I got into this to experience more of God who is in my life and help many, many others do the same. And that's why you're here this morning. You're wanting that as well. And and here's the thing. We can be full of zeal, but without power. I don't know how many people right after they come to Christ, what do they want to do? 
They want to preach. And it's great. And God has provided a way for that to happen. You know what it's called? That's right. It's called a testimony. So, so God has provided a way for that to happen where someone can immediately go out and share their faith and share their faith through their own experience. So God provides that, but as far as preaching and teaching, this becomes sometimes a problem because a person is full of zeal for the Lord. They've known Jesus all of one, two, three months, and what do they want to do? They want to go right out, and they want to start teaching and preaching his word. I can even tell you my own story that I, after, after I really came into a relationship with Jesus, I used to sit in sermons and go, golly, man, that guy needs to put it out there. Jeez. What is wrong with that guy? I could get up there and preach better than that man. I, I, I can remember just sitting out there and just getting frustrated and going, why don't they just tell the truth? Why don't they get up there and say what's wrong? Why don't they, why don't they call out a spade being a spade? I don't get it. If people just stay and stick with the truth, we would be fine. And, and I really felt that way. Well, I didn't realize how condescending I had become. And even as, as young of a Christian as what I was, I thought I was more mature than the guy that's given the message, the guy that's possibly given the message for 20 years. And, and it's funny because as I've become older, I've realized life is a little more complicated than what I used to realize and recognize. It's, it's sometimes, I believe, okay to offer grace. What's this? Even the one who's living in sin. And that's tough to do sometimes for Christians, especially a new Christian because he knows he's been born again. He's washed clean in the blood of the lamb and he's stepping out there and he wants everyone else to, to feel the same. And, and we're not empowered. We just have zeal and we have zeal for the house of the Lord. And because we have zeal for the house of the Lord, as a matter of fact, the scripture says zeal for the house of the Lord does what? Consumes me. And so it should consume us. And so when we get consumed with that zeal, sometimes our protective nature comes out and that protective nature says, I don't have grace and mercy. I'm just going to tell you, get your life right and do it right and stay away from sin. And as you do that, things will line up and come into order. Well, it's a little bit dangerous when we go out there that way because Jesus, I didn't see him going out there that way. And so when he empowers us, it's not to say we don't stand for what's right. It's say that we show people what's right and we pray for people to a place of position in christ zeal is a great thing to have but it's dangerous without the power of the holy spirit leading it the apostle paul understood that he needed the power of the holy spirit to spread the good news here's a few scriptures for you romans chapter 15 verse 18 for i will not presume to speak of anything except what christ has accomplished through me in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit. As you read Paul's letters, one of the things that you'll find out is there are times that he distinguishes two things. One, he says, I, Paul, say this. Another, another uh, way that he puts things at times is he says, thus says the Lord. Have you ever noticed that about him? So he's saying, this is my opinion. <laughs> this is what I think on the subject. I'm empowered by the Spirit. I would believe that this is right. Right, but I'm going to tell you, I, Paul, say this. And then at other times he says, but thus says the Lord, right? And so sometimes we have opinions on things, and we are strengthened in that opinion through the power of the Holy Spirit. But, but even the Apostle Paul didn't put God's word to it. He didn't put God's stamp to that. He says, no, this is Paul's, all right? This is God's. 
And it's, it's important that we learn to distinguish between the two men. And that's tough to do. And one of the ways we do that is saying, okay, if I don't know, I'm going to wait. I'm going to read. I'm going to study. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast, but I'm going to hear, right? Because we don't always know. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Now, this is pretty interesting when he says this, because what he's saying is, it wouldn't have mattered what I said at the time. I needed the power of God to rest upon me. The power of God to rest upon me. Because what the people needed at that day and time, and, it, and, and even today and time, sometimes it's just a miracle that's going to convince people. Sometimes just the way it is. I could preach till I'm blue in the face to intellectuals or even to uneducated. It wouldn't matter. Sometimes just the power of God needs to show up and say, hey, I'm going to do this to convince them, to show them that there is a God of the heavens and of the earth. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Now, when he talks about power and the Holy Spirit and full conviction, that word full conviction means this. It means that I was in a state where I could not turn left. I could not turn right. I simply had to move forward because I was fully convicted. I was, I was in full conviction. It means I was in full community with the Holy Spirit, and this is what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in that place where this is, this is the only thing you can do, this is the only thing you can say because it's the only conviction that you have. Uh, you, you might, that, that would have been a great question. Um, there are some that kind of hit around it at your table this morning, but that's a great question. When have you ever been in full conviction? Full conviction is that, is that full back. It's that fullback that's, that's uh, handed the football, and it's just dive right. <laughs> it's not dive left. It's not, not zig and zag. It's not go around the end. It's simply the play call is dive right, and that means he's going right there between the guard and the center, right? And he's just he's full-blown ahead, full blast ahead. He can't do anything else. Everybody's parting the waters, and he's running right through that hole. That's a full conviction. And there are times when the Holy Spirit comes upon us that that's where we need to be. We need to hear him in that way where he says, you are fully convicted, you are, you are completely tied with me, and this is what I need done at this particular time in your life and with your life. Years ago, I had, a, I had come back from the, the service just, on, uh, just for a wedding, and, and uh, uh, I, I love to share this story because I had started walking with the Lord at this time, and and I've never been to, to one of those nudie bars or any of that stuff. I just want you to know, your pastor has never stepped foot in any of those places. But uh, I go to the wedding rehearsal. After the wedding rehearsal, uh, all the groomsmen, you know, were walking out to pick up. I and mean, I know most of them. I know probably three out of the however many there are. And as we're walking out to the pickup, they say, Curtis, you know, we're, we're headed up to, uh, to Amarillo and we're going to the nudie bar. Um, you want to ride with us? And I was like, uh, they called it something else. And I was like, no, uh, you know, guys, I, I'm not going to go. Um, thanks for the invite, you know, but uh, I, I've got things to do tonight. And so they just kept on and kept on and kept on. And, and finally, I just turned around and I said, I can't go because of Jesus. And when I said that, it, I was in full conviction. You know what I mean? That I didn't even know those words were about to come out of my mouth. 
or Jesus was about to come out. He came out of my mouth, and you know what? The conversation ended. <laughs> they were like, that's cool, that's cool, you know. what? So anyway, uh, sometimes just saying the name of Jesus, right? But that's out of full conviction. It's that time when you're so tied to something that you can't really do anything else. That's the Holy Spirit coming upon us. John chapter 14, 12, and 16 through 17. Let me hit on this real quick. Truly, truly, I say to you, to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth. So there it is. He's saying that I'm going to give you a helper. As I'm gone, I'm going to give you a helper. But he also says something else in the scripture. It's very important for us to pull out. Do you guys see it? What does he say he's doing? Jesus is intercessing. Do y'all see that? Now, Hebrews really defines that intercession of Christ for us, right? But here in John, John says, hey, you know, um, this is what Jesus said. And he said, greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. So in other words, I will intercess for you. I'm going to go up and and speak to the Father on behalf of you. Now, um, Job would, would show, show this if you're familiar with the book of Job. Um, it starts out with a council, and in this council, there's, there's Jesus there, and um, there's an, an angelic beings there, or there's God there, and there's angelic beings, but who else is there at this, this council in the book of Job? I'm backing up, aren't I? Yeah, Satan. So Satan's there in this council, and they're having this conversation. Hey, uh, did you know um, that, that I could get one of yours to follow me, and God's in this conversation with him? No, well, have you considered Job and, and all this? So you kind of see where, where God is in communication, even with Satan. Now, Satan is, in Scripture, known as the what? Adversary or the accuser. If, if we're putting it, setting it up in trial, he's the accuser. So who's our advocate? Christ, right? Jesus. It's that Sunday school. Now, so here's what happens. And, and men, if you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you've got to see this. Because oftentimes, we listen to the accuser, which renders us powerless in God's Spirit. If we're listening to the advocate, then he is empowering us through the Holy Spirit, in order to have that that direction in our life for his kingdom purpose. And so just notice that, that when John says it, or Jesus says it in the book of John this way, I will ask the Father, what he's saying is, I'm going to give you an advocate through the Father. I'm going to be, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be your, your defender in front of the Father. And, and I want you to succeed. See, sometimes we, we, we may think that God doesn't want us to succeed or God doesn't want us to go and God, God didn't call us for this or God has greater plans for someone else than me or God has, and, and if we're not careful, then we start getting over here to this place where we're, we start listening to the accuser. Well, I mean, you're just not qualified. You really don't have the Holy Spirit upon you. You're really not strengthened by the Spirit. Matter of fact, you need to wait another, another 10 years before you're fully empowered to do God's will, God's work in your life. It's not true. Um, geez, I've known people who, who I've seen the Holy Spirit just come upon like that. And as that's happened, what have they done? They've been empowered for the kingdom purpose at hand. I can give you examples. Uh, geez, I can, I can tell you of one in North Africa where I saw a, uh, 
a young man who, honestly, I thought was kind of a weenie. <laughs> That's not a good word, is it? <laughs> I, I just didn't know if he had a backbone or not, and he got pushed in a corner. And all of a sudden, I saw the power of God just come upon him, and he said, absolutely not. This is the way it's going to be, and I don't care if I am standing in North Africa. I don't care if I am in a Muslim country. This is what's going to happen, and it's going to happen right now. And he told those men, and I was like, whoa, where did this boy come from? All of a sudden, he grew up right in front of my eyes, right? He was empowered. The Holy Spirit had come upon him. See, we've been given the power to change the world, but here's the thing. We need to be empowered to change the world, all right? So if I need power, then how do I get it? Acts 1, 4, 5, and 8. All right. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest ends of the earth. The Spirit coming upon you is referred to as being baptized in the Holy Spirit, simply to be completely covered, immersed in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit upon you. The word baptism means this, to be placed under, all right? And so you can sit here and argue with me whether or not in water baptism, sprinkling counts, pouring counts. You can, you can argue those, those things. We argue, it, we argue those things doctrinally, and it's amazing to me that if we were in a persecuted country, that wouldn't even matter. You just want to get some water on you and put it on someone else, right? Now, now in saying that, this is what I would say. The word itself means to be placed under, all right? And so that means if we're placed under something, something else has authority over us. And so what he's saying is, is, is that I will baptize you with my spirit, that my spirit will have authority over your life. It will give you direction in your life. And so simply to be completely covered or immersed by the Holy Spirit means the spirit is upon you. All four of the authors of the gospels found it important to write that John came to baptize in water, but Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. This is found in all four gospels. Matthew 3.11, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mark 1.8, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.16, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John 1.33, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. So we don't just need the power within us like we talked about last week. We need the power upon us. We need the Holy Spirit to come upon us. We need to, to wait for many decisions, many choices, many directions that we're about to take. We need to wait on the Spirit of God to come upon us to direct that Spirit within us. So if I need the power, how do I get it? And really the big thing is to yield. If I'm going to place something in authority over me, then I must submit to it. I must come in under the Spirit. And that takes surrender. And that's hard for a prideful man. We're men of West Texas. We pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're strong. We're, we're courageous. Uh, we really, uh, to me, we're, we're the heart of the nation um, and, and should be the heartbeat of the nation. And in saying that, sometimes if we're not careful, we forget we have to still surrender to our Heavenly Father. Because true strength, real strength, miraculous strength comes from his ability, not ours. 
The other thing I would say is go where the Spirit is at work and join Him. Sometimes, so many times, we, we wait in the wrong places. Uh, I would say this, you know, look at where the Spirit of God is working and go check it out. Uh, I like to put myself in uncomfortable situations at times because it causes me to grow. So uh, I've put myself in prayer meetings that, that uh, i tell you what, if Jesus was there, um, it was a different Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, I had to remove myself a time or two. And there have been other times I've been to, to far charismatic events, and I go, oh, my goodness, this is legit. This is really happening. There's a great book out there. It's written by Jack Deere. It's called Surprised by the Spirit. And uh, now, if you go out today and try to purchase that book, just let me give you a heads up. It is a very thick, big book. <laughs> it's, it, the, the first couple of chapters, you'll be very intrigued. Uh, it's amazing what he has to say. Jack Deere was a professor at DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary, and uh, basically he went to a, a prophetic conference to make fun of and to write a paper on, and all of a sudden something happened, and you can read the book to find out what happened. The book's called Surprised by the Spirit. Sometimes you just land in a place where the power of God is so heavy, you're going to see something. And, and you're going to watch something, and you're going to be stretched in your theological uh, minds because God doesn't always fit between our ears. He just doesn't. And, and, never, and never intended for that to be the case. And so I would say this. Throughout the book of Acts, we see believers like us who yielded to the Spirit. The Spirit came upon them, and they had great power. Uh, they would lay their hands on others. They would pray for them to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. They would pray for others. Um, John Wesley um, said this. He said, uh, my fear is not that our great movement known as the Methodist will eventually cease to exist or one day die from the earth. My fear is that our people will become content to live without the fire, without the power, without the excitement, without the supernatural element that makes us great. Because really, the only greatness, men, in the end that we ever had was God upon us and God within us. That's it. In the end, that's all that lasts anymore. There is, there are questions there on your table. Um, I'll leave you with this scripture out of Luke 4. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, and that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. See, God wants us to walk in the time of his favor under the power of his Spirit to set the oppressed free. And that's what he's looking for. Father God, thank you for these men. I just pray, Father, that we will be led by your Spirit. And Lord, that uh, we will wait upon the goodness of you to move us into this world and be empowered for this world and to bring this world to you. In Jesus' name, amen.